Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. So hello, Luke. I am so excited to chat with you today and learn more about you and Board Cow. I have to tell you, first, Thank you for sending us some Board Cow product for us to try. So before we get into more about your background, I want to just tell you, we did try it. Everyone loved it. Um, it was funny seeing people's like different um, flavors, which one they liked the best. I personally like chocolate. And then my coworker, Noah, who he hosts the podcast as well for our partner, partner side. Um, he was also chocolate, uh, chocolate lover. And then our other co- co-worker, Kurt, he really loved the vanilla. So oh, it was nice. fun. I gave okay. them um, one of each. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it is always cool to see what people drift towards. We have a lot of people. Who, I'm a strawberry milk person personally, and I was You are? Okay. Like, there's like, there's so few plant-based or animal-free strawberry milk brands on the market. And so like a lot of people are like, finally, I've been waiting like 20 years to be able to drink strawberry milk again. Yes. Yeah. That's I, so I actually, okay. Maybe this is giving too much, but I like growing up, I don't know what it is about me, but I was just like, I never really liked the taste of milk, like any, any milk. It was just, I was like, oh yeah, it's all right. Like cereal, I would have dry, like whatever. I was like, okay, maybe weird. Yes. Um, but now like as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, I love it. (laughs) And so, um, trying it. Yeah. is definitely, definitely fun. Interesting. Do you think like with strawberry, just cause you grew up with strawberry, that's why like, that's your favorite. I think so. Cause it like, we see this happen all the time when we do taste tests where somebody will take a sip and it, you can just tell that they've been like instantly transported, you know, back <laughs> to the nineties or the early two thousands or, or whenever they grew up. Uh, and, and strawberry gives me that sort of like transportative moment, you know? And so it's nice. Yeah. It's just as much about the, the nostalgia and the memories, I think, as it is the flavor and texture and things like that, you know? Yeah. That's so fun. That's definitely, I like, I see that coming across in the branding, which we'll, we'll talk about as well once we got it off of the, um, flavor test, but yeah, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like just the, um, we actually interviewed, um, two perfume brands. So, uh, define me fragrances and dossier, and they were both saying how, like, obviously your senses are really connected to your memories, right? Like that's how we progress throughout the world. Um, evolutionarily, you just needed that as a hunter gatherer, right? Like, yeah. so it's so funny that it's like, oh, you know, you're drinking something like milk, which is really nostalgic as a kid, you're told like drink milk and you're, you know, you'll get strong and your bones yeah, will, yeah, won't break and stuff like that. And like, same thing with, um, cereal too. Like, it's just a couple of these different, I'm trying to think of other, um, other examples of 
food that's like really nostalgic for like as kids like candy the same thing too yeah even um, like soda pop and like it's why yes. brands like olipop and poppy have been doing so well because they've managed to like capture the nostalgia without the sugar and without the you know the corn syrup and without all of the stuff that we left behind for a good reason you know Yes. Yes, exactly. Those are also perfect examples. Thank you. Um, yeah. It's like as an adult, the things that you care about, you know, <laughs> um, leaving out all the bad ing- ingredients that you don't want to consume. So it, it's, it's perfect. And um, yeah, the nostalgia, the branding, it, it coincides so well. And I think that's, you know, that lends into success as a brand. Cause if it makes sense from a messaging standpoint and it correlates with your own experience, it's like, Oh yeah, that, that checks out. Um, but more about that later. So let's, let's jump into it. I know we, we, um, picked it up with starting with the samplers and, um, thank you again for sending that super, super nice. I know we, we enjoyed it, but it would be great to have you give like your background, introduce yourself. I'm so happy you're here with us, Luke. Yeah, me too. Um, thank you for having me. I have my background. So I've been in, I guess, creative and brand marketing for my whole career. I started out in the social and digital marketing space. Uh, I graduated in like 2010. So it was like right as Facebook was wow. just starting to become a major marketing tool for brands. But it was also the a time when brands were getting onto social media for the very first time. And so very interesting times to sort of be entering the job market. And so all of the jobs, it seemed like back then, at least from a marketing perspective, were social media marketing jobs for big brands. And so um, I did that for about five years. I worked at um, a company called VaynerMedia uh, in the very early days, um, which was interesting and exciting. And I learned a lot um, from there, uh, like sort of in the mid 2010s, you had this like big wave of like uh, digital media um, publishers mm-hmm. that were sort of like blowing up the like BuzzFeeds uh, and Refinery29s <laughs> of the world. And so I was really interested in that space. I was a little burnt out. Uh, and jaded to, to be frank with you know big brand <laughs> marketing and so decided mm-hmm. I wanted to you know pivot to digital media and so uh, I joined a very small startup called Futurism um, which was a digital media publication and still is um, that writes about sort of like future science and technology trends and so everything cool. from artificial intelligence to you know lab grown meats uh, to machine learning to self driving cars to blockchain at the time just like you know, trying to help demystify, you know, these technologies that were promising to change our lives in major ways. In some cases have, in some cases haven't, you know, uh, looking back now years later. Uh, and so I, I ran the creative team there for a couple of years, uh, which was a very fun time. We got to produce documentaries and uh, we made a comic strip brand that eventually, you know, got published. We built a weighted blanket brand called Gravity, um, you know, Whoa. all internally. And so it's just like, it was that time where, you know, digital media companies were just figuring out how to make money outside of just like advertising because at the time, you know, um, ad dollars and revenue were sort of shrinking for digital media companies. So I learned a lot then, um, decided through the, through the weighted blanket and gravity work that I did that I actually really liked building and scaling, um, consumer brands. And so decided that I wanted to learn a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, and so I got to work for a company called Seed, which is a probiotic startup um, run by an amazing marketer named Eric Katz. Learned so much from her. Uh, I was at Calm for a little while. Um, got to learn from Michael Acton Smith uh, and Katie Schill, who's the um, leads marketing there and is a former colleague of mine. Um, and then I went to Twitter 
uh, pre pre Elon Musk stuff. Um, and uh, <laughs> timely, and I was to gonna say <laughs> yes, and got to work on the brand strategy team there. Um, and then this opportunity for for Tomorrow Farms and Board Cow came up, and I had been sort of desperately looking to get into the climate space because I wanted my values, you know, to align with the work that I do on a day to day basis. And it's obviously such a big and important problem. And so, you know, sort of decided that I wanted to dedicate like the better part of the rest of my career to helping work uh, on solutions uh, for the climate and biodiversity crisis. And so um, I didn't think it was going to be food that was sort of the, the way into <laughs> that. But as I've learned about the food system and how much, you know, disruption and change is needed, there, um, it became clear that it was a, a really good way to get involved. And so, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, there's so much to dive into there. And I love that so much. So, okay, quick question for you with, like you said, when you first were looking for jobs, like in social media, you felt like everything was like social media management. Do you think that's changed? Because I feel like there's still such, like, I feel like any jobs out there, it's like, any people I see on LinkedIn who are hiring, it's like social media management or content creator for yeah. specific platforms. Most of the time it's TikTok. Um, yeah. What would you say to that? It's a great question. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's changed overall. I think at the time it was such a novel thing to do. And you had mm. all of these like seasoned, um, you know, brand leaders who had been building brands, you know, primarily through traditional channels uh, for their whole careers. And suddenly, you know, they had to figure out how to translate that to social media. And so, of course, it made sense to go to young people, you know, who sort of are fluent in social media to do that. And so I think that that still happens today. But I also think that social media marketing is is seen as a much more important and critical pillar of any brand's success in the world. And so, um, yeah. And so I, I think it's the same, but I actually think it's, I don't know, I think it's viewed as more reputable now. And I think people understand how hard it is um, and, yep. and, and how rare it is to be great at it. Okay, cool, cool. I love that response. And I completely agree. I do think there's way more acceptance for the importance of organic growth and branding and messaging and your presence online. And as you were speaking, I was just tying like the correlation, um, because a lot of the times on this podcast, it just comes up naturally like TikTok. I'm fascinated. I think everyone is kind of fascinated by the platform. And so I just, I, we chat about it a lot, but I kind of see like the same thing happening on a little bit of a smaller scale for the platform itself. Cause I feel like now people are like, oh, there's time and time again, like different brands, different, uh, you know, apps, even like Duolingo they're seeing success on TikTok. And I think it's some of that, like, it's not as reputable right now, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. Pinterest, like those have been around for a minute. And so yeah. the same like transition or cycle that you were saying when social media management first kind of started making um, its way around and uh, now it's, you know, years out more reputable. I think the same thing is happening with TikTok and totally. um like all of that. So it's, it's yeah. really interesting. It's like history repeats itself. Right. And we're, we're at the point now where like even Facebook is seen as almost a legacy platform. You yep. know, it's like <laughs> everyone has been on Facebook forever now. And, you know, obviously young people are shifting away from it. And so it's funny to, you know, I think now uh, a lot of brands are looking specifically for people who are fluent in TikTok because 
you know, they came up in the age of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok is just a completely different culture and a completely different content creation style and completely different social norms and rules. And, you know, it's hard to learn those things if you didn't grow up with them. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's always easier to just hire smart, driven people who like want to, you know, pursue a career in marketing and also happen to know these platforms fluently, you know? And so it's a great way into the industry for sure. Um, although I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I do agree that like TikTok and TikTokers do need to be respected more because it is hard to do TikTok right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And two, it's, it's humbling, you know, like for sure. you, like anyone who is trying to make content, sometimes it's like, you can say, you can have like a piece of content and you're like, Oh, I really think this is going to go over so well. And then it doesn't yeah. like, Oh my God. Yeah. And then random stuff. It just, it goes really well. And you're like, well, there you go. Like, wasn't yeah. anticipating it. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit yeah. of a black box for sure. Um, which is yes. why you need to just like experiment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can't have a ton of pride, I think in that, okay. um, in that role, especially e-commerce too. Like D to C things are just changing. I feel so like so fast. quickly. So yep. yeah. And marketing. So it's wonderful. Okay. So we talked about your background, um, which is a great background by the way, too. Like, calm app and Twitter and, um, tomorrow farms and board cow. Now it's so amazing. So give us an overview of both tomorrow farms and then board cow as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tomorrow farms is, um, there's a lot of ways we describe it (laughs) depending on who we're talking (laughs) to. The way that I like to describe it to the average person is that tomorrow farms is sort of like the parent company for the future of food. Um, and so if you think about like, the logo marks you grew up with, the General Mills and the Kellogg's, you know, the Nestle's of the world, like those back then were like what people looked for, you know, when they were looking for products, you know, to make sure that they were buying something, you know, with a certain standard of quality and, and flavor, et cetera. Um, we think that those monograms are, are a little outdated, frankly. And, you know, there's this entire new generation of food science and technology that is coming up really, really quickly. Um, you've seen it with plant-based food science. Um, you're seeing it now with uh, precision fermentation, animal-free dairy, which is obviously what we're doing with board cow. Um, you're seeing it with, with cell-based meats. Uh, the first cell-based meat company just got FDA approval in the United States today. And so Whoa, it's happening okay. really, really quickly. And there's gonna be all sorts of, and there are all sorts of like food science companies and amazingly smart people who are figuring this out. But I think what we've seen is um, most of them do not have, you know, if they have the expert, this sort of scientific expertise and technological expertise, they don't always have the sort of branding, marketing expertise in terms of like, how do I take this technology and actually turn it into a brand and a product that people are going to want to buy in a grocery store? And so we sort of fill in that gap for those partners. And so, you know, we are looking for um, the next big sort of like food science technologies and opportunities that will help create a like better, kinder, greener food system. Um, And specifically, you know, lowering greenhouse gas emissions, lowering land use, lowering water use, obviously promoting animal welfare. Um, And we are, you know, sort of the commercial arm um, that helps turn those ingredients uh, and technologies into brands uh, and products that people will love. Uh, And so Board Cow is the first um, of those brands underneath the Tomorrow Farms 
umbrella. Um, and we obviously worked with Perfect Day, um, who have sort of pioneered um, this animal-free milk protein um, that we use as the base of our animal-free dairy milk, uh, which is what Board Cow is. Yes, that's such a good summary. Good job. <laughs> I feel like listeners will be able to like perfect correlation between, you know, like the big logo brands from, I don't even know, like 60s, 70s. I don't know when they were founded, but um, like the Kellogg's of the world and then how that's a parent company. And then what you all are trying to do with um, Tomorrow Farms and Board Cow. And so now let's get into um, a little bit more about Board Cow. Like we've we've touched upon a couple of times, animal-free dairy um, milk. It, it sounds like you read it yeah. and it sounds it's like nonsense, a- right? um, When you first hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a, a that's paradox. Yeah. A paradox, <laughs> I on a, oxymoron. Yeah. Yes. All of yes. the above. Exactly. Which is the first time I read it. And it's great because it like casts your attention. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. It always leads read? to curiosity you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I was a plus there. Um, good, good job. And like, so we were also talking about just the branding. Um, and these are more just like, just from briefly anyone who's listening, like I encourage you to go check out your website because, um, you get everything that you are supposed to get as a consumer, or this is my assumption, like that you're supposed to get, or that you guys are trying to portray very quickly. Um, and I love, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, the nostalgia. And so I would love to go into that, like yeah. learn more just about the background, um, where that, those ideas came from. Like it, the branding is adorable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just want to know everything like the ins yeah. and outs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I think always the best place to start is explaining what animal free dairy is and, and why it is. And I think we can, mm -hmm we'll move into the actual branding decisions from there. But I think as a baseline, you know, animal free dairy is an oxymoron, you know, uh, up yep. until just, you know, less than 10 years ago, really anything that was dairy was not animal free and anything mm -hmm. that was animal free was not dairy, right? Those two things were incompatible because dairy has always come from cows um, as, as we all know. Uh, and, and so what has changed over the last 10 years is that, um, we're actually using a technology that's been around for about 50 years called precision fermentation. Um, and this is a process by which we can teach um, tiny invisible microflora how to ferment different things. Um, you know, 50 years ago, we started to use it to uh, produce insulin. Uh, as most people know, insulin, you know, historically comes from pigs, um, but human insulin um, which is something that obviously is much more compatible with our bodies, um, is something that we learned to teach microflora how to make. And so, you know, uh, most insulin now is made through this process of precision fermentation. Uh, from there, it was actually cheese making um, that started using precision fermentation. There's an enzyme called rennet um, that traditionally comes from the stomach linings of like small cows and other kind of ruminants. Um, mm -hmm. And so, now most cheesemakers use precision fermentation to make enzymes without needing to slaughter a baby animal in order to get those enzymes, right? And so love that. <laughs> now we can use it to produce uh, animal proteins uh, for food making. And so um, Perfect Day, uh, who's our, our technology partner with Board Cow, has figured out a way to make um, uh, milk protein, specifically whey protein, uh, which is one of the two main uh, proteins found in cow's milk. 
um, through through fermentation instead of um, by milking a cow. And so, um, you know, and, and then, you know, the follow-up question is always like, why? Why, why are you going <laughs> right. through all of that effort to produce something that already exists? Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer, of course, is that, you know, our food system uh, accounts for around one third of global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, it's responsible for up to 80% of the deforestation that's happened over the last century. It's responsible for about 70% of all freshwater withdrawals. And most of that is because of the meat and dairy industry, which is an incredibly energy and resource intensive industry that also produces a lot of emissions and specifically methane. And so, you know, by making milk protein uh, with microflora, we can generate up to 97% fewer greenhouse gas emissions, use up to 99% less water and up to 60% less non-renewable energy than milk protein that is sourced from cow's milk. And so, you know, obviously that those are enormously, uh, those are enormous Big uh, reductions in, <laughs> yeah. in, in those sort of environment, important environmental factors. And so the reason that we're making animal-free dairy is because we love milk <clears throat> and we love dairy products. We love how they taste. We love how they feel. We love how they act. We love the nutrition they provide, but we don't love, you know, the impact they have on animals and the environment. And so animal-free dairy allows us to keep eating and drinking the dairy products we love um, without, you know, the sort of enormous environmental impact that, you know, uh, the meat and dairy industry and specifically factory farms um, now have. And so that's the background. It's always important to explain it. Um, yeah, I love we, it. Thank you. So we take that milk protein and we build um, a milk alternative around it. And so what you end up with is sort of a hybrid dairy plant-based product, right? Where you have animal-free milk protein that's identical to the animal for, uh, to the milk protein found in cow's milk to the degree that if you have a dairy allergy, you actually can't drink board cow. Um, but then Whoa. we build it, then we add plant-based ingredients around that to sort of replicate, you know, the rich creamy flavor of dairy. Uh, and so you end up with a milk alternative that is much closer from a taste, texture, and nutrition profile perspective to, to regular milk than um, most, if not all milk alternatives on the market today. Right. That's really cool. So I actually took a class on just like the environmental impact that our, um, and this was way back when, but like the environmental impact that your consumption has like on just the world in general. And I remember I was like, one of the, one of the things I took from with that, from that class was like just the amount of methane that is released into the environment and like how little, one person's consumption, like you don't have to consume too much to really make like a big impact in the world. Yeah, and totally. so I love hearing you like walk through that. Cause I think a lot of the times, like I'm, I'm sure you relate to this. It's like education with the consumer is really important. It's one of the things we see time and time over with Malomo is oh, <laughs> the more, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to be, I, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later, but that's really like the key component. Cause you say that to a reader or a consumer and what they're reading about board cow. And they're like, that makes sense. Like that is, why would you not go with an alternative if you can, you know, yeah, totally. um, if you can like drink dairy milk. So thank yeah. you so much for walking us through yeah, it. Um, it's a great background. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so now let's move into the brand. So how do we get from, okay, we're going to make animal free dairy milk to, we're going to call it board cow. And we're going to create all of these quirky, strange, cow creatures that are going to I love them so much for our product. <laughs> um, so we, we worked with a really amazing branding agency 
um, called Manufacture. They're based in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, and we were looking for a very collaborative relationship. I think going in, we knew that we wanted to build a nostalgic brand um, that both sort of like harkened back to the golden age of like cereal mascots and like back of the cereal box games and mazes, you know, and things like that, that sort of we grew up with, but also a product that could become in 20 years, the, uh, you know, the brand and the product that today's kids look back on and say, I grew up with Board Cow and, mm -hmm. and I'm now nostalgic for Board Cow. And so looking ahead to try to create a brand that is nostalgic in the future um, at the same time. And so um, we knew that we wanted to build this like character driven, um, immersive brand universe. You know, I, I'm a writer by trade. And so like, I just wanted to make a universe that I could play in to, you know, to be honest, mm -hmm. but I also knew that like, that was something that if you did it the right way, um, that people would fall in love with. And so, um, right. worked with manufacturer and they, uh, worked with an amazing illustrator named Katie Perez, who, uh, drew all of the cow characters and universe herself. We went through a whole bunch of different types of cartoon cows. I could show you a, like a, a deck that we have that. that's like all yeah. the other different types of cow characters that we explored, but it was sort of like the simple round, um, sort of minimalist, you know, quirky cow that I think really sort of like won, won all of our hearts. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we, we went with that and then we decided to create archetypes um, based on, you know, the story of Bored Cow is that for 10,000 years, cows have been working for us. Um, these days they're working in factory farms, producing milk for us. You know, they're spending very little time outside, very little time with their calves. And we think that's wrong. We think that's sad. And we believe cows should be free to do whatever they want. We believe that cows should be bored. We think that bored cows are happier cows. And so, you know, we've sort of taken that idea and, and run with it. And so we started to think about like, what would cows do if um, they had all the free time in the world? And then we asked ourselves that question, you know, what would we do if we had all the free time right. in the world? What would we <laughs> want to be when we grew up? And it was, you know, things like, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be, you know, a rock star. I wanted to be uh, a, a professional skateboarder. And we're like, well, let's just like match those up. Let's make the cow sort of extensions of our yeah. inner inner <laughs> child, you know, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. And so that's how we got uh, to where we did. Yeah. I mean, it's really cute. I'm looking at the packaging right now. That's why I held it up like the chocolate. Um, I know they have names too. I'm, I, yes, that's, that's Clara. Okay, Clara, thank you. Um, so Clara on, the, Bell, on the chocolate, what's that? I said Clara, short for Clara Bell, of course. All oh, all based on traditional dairy cow names. I love it. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I didn't even make that connection. So I'm so happy you just made that connection yeah, for there's me. A lot of, there's a lot of little details like that that are fun. But that's like okay, so slight tangent. I love like little Easter eggs or like FOMO marketing. I'm a total sucker for anything like that. Like I love the Marvel universe because of that reasoning. Yeah. Um, and Taylor Swift, like yeah. they're just, they're, when you're looking at Easter eggs and FOMO marketing, they are right in the way for that. Yeah, it's just um, like storytelling, right? It's like the best books are the ones that have the most vivid, exciting details and allow you to make connections in your brain. And you're right. Taylor yeah. Swift is amazing at that. Like it's one yes. of the reasons <laughs> She's, you know, one of the biggest stars in the world for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, so like, I love just like 
things like that, where you can tie them together. Um, and it's like just even down to the smallest little detail of like, they all have all the board cows have names and they have this storyline. Like I know there's the graphics that you all have on your website, like just yeah. telling their actual story and how you came up with the name board cow. Um, again, I'm a sucker for that, but it, it, it pays off because it's, it pays into that entertaining, right? Like that ent- entertainment factor, um, of the nostalgia. It's like, you can play the games while you're waiting for your board cow to arrive. Like I noticed, um, that and with the, um, the pack as well, it was like all the different little pamphlets of games that you can play, which yeah. you, that you better believe I was playing them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That makes us so happy to hear. Those were, those were very fun to put together. Our, uh, former art director, Devin Sullivan did all of that and she's amazing. Um, we had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And I love it. And like the site too, it's, it's animated. So like you're going on the site, you're like, it's, it feeds into, this is one of the reasons to going back to TikTok, like, and just short form video. Like that's why people are resonating with that content is because at the same time that it's informational or informative, it's also entertaining. And if you can get them coupled together, like you've won the lottery. Right. And so like board cow, I just, I know, um, from a company standpoint, we always say it's like one of our like beloved tracking pages. Cause it just looks so pretty. It's so cute. And that really speaks wonders to your guys's branding the messaging yeah. and the details that you go into for each and every flavor and cow, um, and storyline. So it's really cool. Awesome. I'm so glad you think so. Yeah. I mean, we've just had the most amazing, brilliant, creative, you know, executional partners, both internally and externally, who've just like totally understood the mission and, and the assignments, you know, and we're truly just like excited to work on a brand that they could just play around with, you know, and they could sort of like let their inner child out. Cause that's the whole idea of this idea of like, you know, born cow being made for kids and kids at heart. And it also applies to, you know, the people that we work with and it applies to us as, as a team as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean, from my perspective, um, which take it with a grain of salt, but it comes across. And so, um, with that, I wanted to ask, so I know that, well, let me, let me first speak to this. So, um, the graphics, like the cartoon aspect of it, um, on your website, you have, I'm forgetting the two that, but it's like our story, right. Is one of them. Um, and it kind of tells like origin points. Right. But it's in like a, a nostalgic cartoon layout. It's not like, it's not all copy, like a regular blog or anything like that. So how did you like come up with that idea? I know you mentioned, um, maybe is someone else a previous. So I, I was yeah at, at my previous uh, one of my previous companies, Futurism. I um, launched a, a, a cartoon brand. I, I worked with a, a really amazing illustrator back then, and we did single panel cartoons, and it resonated so strongly, and it became such a powerful medium to both create political commentary in a way that mm. was not divisive, but also in a way that was entertaining and really sticky and, and really shareable and things like that. And so, you know, through that work that I did at Futurism coming here, I was like, I want to bring some of that magic here. And, and I want to be able to tell our story in a way that is so simple that anybody of any age could sort of read through this story and understand the problem that we're trying to solve. You know, the simplicity really of the solution when you really boil it down and and the world that we can create if if we're successful in our mission to scale that solution and, and, and solve the problem. And so, um, you know, a, a long form comic strip, I think was 
the best way to do that in the most accessible way to the most amount of people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I worked with with uh, with Katie Perez, the illustrator, uh, on it, and, and we, we sort of partnered uh, in terms of putting that story together. But I think it, um, yeah, it's sort of it's our manifesto in a in a comic form. Yeah, I didn't even think about the advantages to having it be a cartoon. Um, and like you said, for it not to be like a divisive, yeah. um, you know, piece of content that you're rolling out. Like that didn't even cross my mind. Cause yeah. truly it was like, Oh my God, this is adorable. Like I want to keep reading. Yeah. Um, and like, see what ends up like where the cows end up. Right. Um, so that, that's a really cool, like insider, um, viewpoint to have that. It's like, Oh, the part of the purpose is that it is unifying and um, kind of brings people in rather than, you know, of course, keeps them on the outside. Exactly. And this is a very, it is a very divisive product, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. and we understand why, you know, people have very strong connections and bonds and memories built around meat and dairy. You know, I, we all, so most of us, the vast majority of us grew up you know, eating and drinking meat and dairy products, and many of us still do. And it's, you know, this idea that, oh, you can't eat that anymore because it's killing the planet is a very, uh, there's also often a very strong defensive reaction to that. And it's, you know, again, it's understandable why. And so figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we illuminate the issues of meat and dairy in a way that doesn't make people feel bad about themselves um, but mm-hmm. also, I think ultimately makes them, um, you know, open to alternatives that that sort of solve some of those problems. So, yeah, that was part of part of the reason that we we chose a comic. OK, yes, we're going to dive into the how you actually educate people um, yeah. in a little bit. But I do want to ask. And so if you're not allowed to share this information, by all means, don't. But you yeah. guys kind of have like your core three flavors. So yeah. I was just wondering, um, is there any plans around like launching alternative flavors? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. OK. Are you allowed oh, to tell is, us more? <laughs> this is my favorite question right now, because I'm I am yes. fi- I'm actually allowed to share it now. Uh, we yeah. are launching, well, we're launching an original milk, which is to say a plain milk, uh, in early next, early next year. Um, so wow. March, okay. Yeah. In, in the February to March window. And so that is going to be, um, it's an improved label. We've, we've cleaned up, you know, the label even more. Um, it, it is truly, uh, a perfect substitute for, regular dairy milk. And so, you know, we started with um, chopped and vanilla and strawberry because they were ready to go, you know, last year. And we wanted to get something out into the market just so we could start telling our story. Um, we were the first animal-free dairy milk in the market at that time, which was important to us. And, and so we've been working really hard, um, you know, since then for about a year to perfect the original milk, uh, which we think will you know, be what you put in your coffee and what you cook with and what you bake with and what you pour in your cereal and what you drink a big glass of in the morning. And we'll sort of, you know, all of the things that you love about uh, dairy milk, uh, this milk will be able to uh, accomplish those things. Um, we also have some other uh, non-milk dairy products in the market as well, Ooh. which we'll be sharing more information about soon. Um, but yes, Board Cow will not just remain a animal-free dairy milk brand, but we'll, we'll be making some other dairy products too, which we're excited about. 
Okay. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that, um, for for those updates, because that will be very exciting. Thank you for sharing. And I love that it was your favorite question um, up until this point. Hopefully we can top that. Um, That'll be really cool. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. So quarter one. All right. Big stuff. Um, Like as if you guys don't have enough on your plate. I know. Um, Okay. So as promised, let's talk about educating customers. So we've, we've chatted about, um, a little bit about the, you know, from the consumer standpoint, getting the product actually in your hands and, you know, the gains that come along with them, um, post-purchase emails as well, but let's start out with, um, like social media presence yeah. and sharing your story on social, like organically. So like through the website, um, just the marketing yeah. strategy overall, can you tell us a little bit, can you f- inform us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's really all about, and this is such a buzzword. And so I'm sorry to speak it out loud, but it's, it's, all, about, it's all about edu- edutainment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I thought like I was going to hear storytelling. I was like, go ahead. Word. It's, I mean, it's the best word, unfortunately, to describe what we do, which is like, you know, what's so difficult about what we're doing is, you know, we are not just trying to introduce a new brand um, or a new product to people. We're trying to introduce an entire new way of making food to people. And so it isn't as simple as saying, you know, hey, uh, if we were an oat milk brand, you know, we could just say like, hey, we're so-and-so and we're making oat milk. And of course, you know what oat milk is, you know, but it's like, hey, we're bored cow and we're making animal-free dairy milk. And the 100% of the time, uh, <laughs> or I would say 99.9, because there's some people who have been following, you know, animal-free dairy for a long time and have been really excited about it. And those people are awesome. But most people are, you know, have no idea what that means, right? And 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 they want to know, which is a good thing. They're curious. Um but it also means that you, you, you're not just explaining a brand and you're not just explaining a product, but you're also explaining an entire new method of making food all with, with a very short span of time, given, you know, attention spans and the average length of successful content on social media, you have very little time to explain all of that to people. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do that a lot of different ways. Um, you know, we have great, interesting recipe content where we, you know, have really um, inventive, vegan-friendly recipes, you know, that sort of utilize the product, which is a great way in for people. They get excited about, you know, the recipe, and then they, you know, obviously uh, see that board cow is a primary component of that. But I think, you know, what's also very interesting is we work with a um, a creator named uh, Farmer Nick, who is a a big vegan, um, you know, influencer and creator on Instagram and TikTok. He's amazing. You should go follow him if you don't already. I was gonna say, I'm gonna uh, check him out. <laughs> yeah, and and, he, and he's both an investor in a company in the company as well as a, a creative partner for us. And and we've done lots of series together where um, you know, it's sort of just like a a lighthearted uh comedy series um starring a a dairy cow in a cheap mascot costume <laughs> who's sort of just like uh is is freed from the factory farm and is is trying to figure out. How the world works while also trying to get people excited about animal free dairy and they're you know 30 to 60 second skits and not only are they just like really funny and really relatable and really accessible but there's always education baked in there but it's it's education that you don't realize is happening to you because you're just enjoying the story that's being told you're enjoying the jokes that are being told um but you're also learning alongside it and 
you know, I think that represents, and we're still learning, right? There's still, uh, we still have a lot of work to do to sort of figure out like what are the perfect ways to tell our story and educate online. But those are some of the early successes that we've had. And we're really excited about them because again, they're fun to make and they're fun to watch, but also they get the message across in a way that sticks with people. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to, I, cause I was looking at your Instagram, um, and TikTok before, and you're right. Like <laughs> you don't really realize you're being educated while you're watching the content. Um, and so to have like, <laughs> I love that you also said edutainment, like that, that perfectly fits. Yeah. Um, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So real quick, do you get, do you tend to get a lot of like questions from consumers who like just through social media or to your website or like email or anything, just asking for more details? Yes. Um, definitely on social media. I think one of the things that we've realized, and, and again, I understand that people have very little time, you know, and they're, <laughs> they're like, they have a lot of content that they want to watch. And so oftentimes somebody will see, you know, one of our advertisements, whether it's a video or a short animation or even a still, um, you know, and they'll read, you know, and you can only communicate so much information there. You cannot tell the whole story of animal free dairy in a single like 15, 30 second, uh, you know, Instagram or TikTok ad. And so, you know, what you hope is that people will, um, you know, click through to your website and read everything and do all the research and like, and there are people who do that and, and they're, and they're awesome, but most people, uh, don't have the time or that they don't take the time to do that. And so they'll ask questions that are easily answerable if you go to the website, but of course they don't want to leave the social platform. And so, you know, we spend a lot of our time answering the same questions again and again and again and again. Uh, and we have an amazing customer experience team that, you know, is, is happy to, to do that. And to, you know, you really just have to have the same conversation a thousand times, you know, a week or a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you just have to accept that that is, that's consumer behavior. You know, they, they want to, they want to have a conversation with you in feed. They don't want to leave to go uh, uh, educate, you know, themselves. And I will say again, there are exceptions to that rule, but largely that is what we see. Yeah, I, I am 99% confident that any other customer support or service um, or success team would say the same thing. <laughs> like yeah, you just have to get comfortable. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm by no means surprised to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that really checks out. Cause like you said, you're trying to entertain about like an industry and, yeah. um, a new way of doing something and creating something as yeah. well as your product specifically, how yeah. it differs from normal dairy milk to, yeah. um, dairy-free alternatives and, you know, everything in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Kudos to your customer support success team. Um, Seriously. and yeah responding to consumer questions. Cause you're exactly right. Like people don't want to leave whatever feed, whatever app they're in, um, or majority of people don't want to do that. So major yeah. props to them. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, cool. We've, we've chatted about the marketing side, the kind of the pre-purchase, um, acquisition side of education. Can we talk about the post-purchase side of it? So yeah. I've of course seen this having, um, received my order and tracking emails and, um, whatnot. So can you walk us through how that education differs if it does differ from yeah. like the pre post pre-purchase side of things? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, right now we, you know, we spent the last six months mostly just learning ourselves um, who, who the buyer of animal-free dairy milk is, right? You know, we obviously had our theories and our hypotheses about who mm -hmm. we thought it would be, you know, um, certainly environmentally conscious people, you know, folks on some sort of plant-based journey, people who are starting to wake up, you know, uh, to the, um, the impact of, uh, you know, all of their behaviors, but especially the food system uh, on the planet and their health uh, and on animals, et cetera. Um, but, you know, the, the question like, why did they buy animal-free dairy milk, I think is always really interesting to us. And so a lot of the post-purchase experience right now, you know, this early on in our company is actually just like getting feedback um, and mm. insights from customers, you know, especially ones who uh, are buying the product and then, and then buying it again. You know, we had somebody who bought a uh, 12 uh, pack of the, our combo pack, right? Which you get chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. You get to try all three, figure out which one you like. And then they ordered seven cases of strawberry after that. It's like, <laughs> oh gosh, we have to talk to that person because yeah. like, I mean, we obviously know they love strawberry milk, but like, again, understanding why, why board cow and why animal free dairy is really important to us. And so um, we're spending a lot of time just chatting with folks right now. We just launched a consumer research initi initiative where uh, a customer experience team is, is actually getting on the phone with our, our sort of super buyers uh, and starting to figure out like, what was it that made you add this, this product to checkout? What made you buy it again? What made you leave that great review? Um, you know, what made you spend, you know, uh, buy a 12 pack of milk on online, you know, which <laughs> is like not a normal thing to do, you know, yeah. uh, we're trying to make it a normal thing to do, but like, you know, historically not normal. And so um, spending a lot of time on that and also like, you know, not just trying to, you know, in terms of like what we think about winning about retention, it's not just about for us getting folks to buy the product again, although obviously that is great. And that's ultimately the goal of any, you know, uh, direct to consumer slash consumer brand. Um, but also just like getting people on our team, you know, it is just as powerful for somebody to post an Instagram story to their friends saying, Hey, I'm trying animal free dairy milk for the first time. Here's what it is. Here's why I bought it. You know, I, I love that is just as valuable, if not more valuable than that person, but, you know, silently buying another 12 pack. And so I think a lot of our um, post-purchase experience is also about trying to motivate, encourage, and incentivize, you know, people to um, start advocating for our brand because, you know, um, again, we're the first, you know, we're the first animal-free dairy milk to the market in the U.S. And so we need that, that help, you know, and we need, yeah. we need those, like, we need that, that allyship with our, with our uh, early customer base. And so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that that's kind of our, our, our like areas of focus right now with regard to uh, post-purchase. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I love the allyship, like, you know, get that UGC, um, get that customer feedback wherever you can. Cause especially as a younger brand that is trying to find out what's resonating with customers. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I can, I can, you totally, yes. Answer my question of like, what is important to you in the post-purchase journey? Like, what are you trying to find out? What information are you trying to give? Um, 
and I think the like surveys, so are you, are, do you have like pop-up surveys and whatnot? Can yeah. you tell us like, how are you actually getting that information? Just like a little bit more of the tactical um, yeah. side in case anyone who's listening is like, oh, we should be doing the same thing. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a couple of different ways that we collect consumer insights. Um, you know, even, even pre-purchase and even for people who don't purchase, you know, we have exit surveys on the website. You know, if somebody looks around and ultimately decides not to purchase, uh, we ask them why, you know, because we yeah. <laughs> are obviously very curious, you know, was it price? Was it, was there information you couldn't find, you know, that you needed in order to make a decision? Um, you know, did you decide that there's an ingredient that, you know, you're allergic to, or you're not interested in or something. And so we ask a lot of those questions because it's just as important for us to learn from the people who don't become our customers as the ones mm -hmm. that do, but then, you know, post-purchase, um, you know, it's simple things like, you know, incentivizing people to, um, to write a review for, you know, 15% off their next purchase. Um, mostly it's just so we can learn what people's personal experience is, who they are, you know, who they're buying it for. You know, there's sort of like questions that we ask as part of the review process that I think are really valuable for us to see. Like, you know, you know, if somebody uh, is, you know, in California and they're buying for their kids, you know, their, their review is going to look very different than somebody, you know, uh, in Chicago who's just buying for themselves. Right. And so we want to be able to understand like why they bought it, uh, who it was for, and then obviously, and, and obviously what they thought. And then, like I said, we're also starting to reach out to, um, you know, multiple, uh, sort of pack purchasers, um, to, to speak to them one-to-one, -one, uh, on the phone, uh, and then obviously, you know, surprising and delighting them on the back end of that, um, to reward them for the time that they took, which is obviously incredibly valuable to us and to them. And so, um, yeah, those are the primary tools right now. Um, and we're always looking for new ways to, to, to source feedback. I mean, we're actually in the middle of a, of a reformulation right now that is completely driven by consumer feedback uh, that we've received Whoa, okay. over the last few months about like, you know, hey, I love this product, but there's this one thing that I wish you would change, you know, like, mm. um, and, and so those sorts of, you know, we're obviously getting to see that data uh, on, on a macro level. And so like starting to see trends, like, okay, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a certain contingent of folks who like, don't like the taste of stevia. And so like, can we replace stevia with something without, you know, without adding too much, um, sugar or whatever. And so those sorts of things are completely driven by, um, pre and post purchase consumer surveying and insights gathering. Um, we also use platforms like Suzy, um, to do some like more scaled, um, digital consumer research, um, you know, that helps inform decisions that we make, uh, you know, about the formula, about messaging, about UX, like all of that stuff is, is people informed because, you know, we want to obviously eliminate all of the biases we have. And we also want to make sure that the customer is like, is in the conversation with us for every major decision we're making across the board. Oh, that's really cool. I love hearing about product iteration from, you know, just customer feedback. I always think it's so interesting because, you know, you can, you're, if you're so in depth on a product, like you, you can drive yourself insane being like, but what are we missing? Right. And yeah, yeah. one consumer might be like, you know, it's just this. And you're like, oh my God, there it is. Right. Like, yeah. or what is like really hitting home? Like if yeah. you're so, so close, it's hard sometimes to take that, that step back and yeah, yeah. see that macro view, but it just might be like a consumer too, that you talk to. And you're like, oh my God, there it is. Like the light bulb goes off, you know? Yeah. There's also this really interesting like vocal minority effect that happens where you'll see 
a lot of people in comments, you know, talking about something, you know, that they that they don't like or whatever. But when you actually do broader consumer research, you actually realize it is a very small percentage of people who really care about that thing. They're just very vocal about it because they care about yeah. it a lot, you know, but like really 98% of people are, you know, aren't concerned with that thing. And so it also helps you sort of eliminate um, uh, the, the, the bias of like, okay, we're receiving like a bunch of negative comments, you know, about this thing. But like, actually, when you look at the bigger picture, most people are, are, are totally fine with that, you know? And so um, that's really helpful too, um, because, you know, that can drive your decision-making in, into wrong directions, potentially, if you're, if you're listening to something that most people don't actually care about, you know, when, when you have so little time and bandwidth and resources to prioritize, you know, what, what are the most important things for us to take care of right now? Um, looking at that bigger picture helps you and looking from mul at multiple sources helps you figure out, okay, what is actually at the root of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that you brought up like it can, your perspective can be skewed like from wherever you're standing. Right. And so being able to take a step back and see like, oh, is this a majority or minority that really think this about our product or this about branding or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, people are expressing concern or, you know, it could be also like somewhat like people love this about your exactly. product. And then exactly. you're like, 100%. oh, like we should really really like ramp that up. And then it's like, oh, wait, wait, that wasn't majority, right? I <laughs> know yeah, it, 100%. It, it goes both ways. And so like the, the, the goal is to figure out like, okay, what are, what are the, like the vocal minority groups that like things that don't like things, but like, what is the majority actually care about? Cause what we are trying to do is make animal free dairy milk appeal to the masses. The only way that we are going to solve our mission of ending factory farming and transitioning you know, meat and dairy uh, away from animal-based to animal-free is if the masses adopt this, right? And so we have to optimize in some ways for what the most amount of people care about, you know, because our mission is is sort of that big. Um, mm -hmm. And while we always, always, always listen to everybody, um, it is important to figure out, you know, um, yeah, sort of like what are the biggest priorities to actually moving the needle on our mission? Yes. Yeah. I love that distinction too. Very admirable as well, where it's like you want to, it's in good faith that you want to achieve this mission and yeah. um, support the world and support people and support animals. And so I love that. It's like, okay, yes, we want to, we, we still listen to everyone, but we have that distinction where it's like, okay, what is propelling the mission forward? And that yeah. is, how is that aligning with our consumer base? Yeah. Um, I think and it's, it's a really, just it comes ordering. across. Yeah. And, and re and arranging, arranging priorities, right. Cause it's like yeah. everything that customer tells is a priority. Right. But it's like, what is the number one priority? If we, if we have time to address two or three things, you know, what should those two or three things be over the next few months? And then we'll revisit the stuff, you know, that is less of a priority, you know, when we have the time bandwidth, the resources to do so. And so, yeah, it's all about just figuring out like what, what will move the needle the quickest in terms of, um, you know, make, making product adoption happen at scale. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, one, I know we're coming up on time. So one little last thing, it's a very seasonal question, um, that we've been asking people is prep for black Friday, cyber Monday. It is coming up. We are recording this literally like a week out. And so yeah. I'm assuming hopefully like most of the strategy is kind of at play. It's just really 
waiting and seeing like how the actual holiday goes down. How's it, how's it been prepping for the holidays? It's been good. I mean, we, um, I think we acknowledge that like, you know, dairy products are not at the top of people's Christmas <laughs> list. You know, most people, I mean, at- now having tried it, I want it to be. I love so. it. No, I'm so, honestly, we're so happy to hear that. And it's why we are, you know, activating for black Friday and cyber money, but we also understand like, you know, this is not a conventional <laughs> sort of stocking stuffer. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and so it's more about like, you know, we're really inspired by brands that do something really fun and interesting and memorable on Black Friday, mm-hmm. Cyber Monday weekend. And so like, um, you know, we're, we're trying to create something that's that's fun and engaging. You know, of course, our brand is all around like, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like adding the puzzles and mazes and games to our insert that goes into every box of board cow that's sent to everybody in the spirit of that, we're going to do this like really fun prize wheel where like you have, you know, a, a one in 100 chance to get a hundred percent off. And like, there's all sorts of other like big, you know, ticket sort of discount codes and things that you can win. And so, you know, it's, it's our first attempt at figuring out like, what does it mean to have an annual black Friday strategy that like people anticipate and sort of mm-hmm. wait for, I think, you know, brands like Cards Against Humanity have sort of like pioneered the, we're just going to have, we're just going to do something really fun and creative and totally uniquely us on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We're not just going to push out, you know, a coupon code. We're not just going to pass out a deal. We're going to try to create an experience um, that escalates and gets better every year. And so, you know, this is our, um, you know, this is our planning our flag saying like, this is what a, this is what board Friday looks like, you know, uh, Oh, I love that. And also like the abbreviation BF is still the same. Okay. That's really cool. Um, this will be going out to after the holiday season. So, um, if that was a worry at all, but I I hope it went well. Yeah, no, that's, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) After this all right thing, it went so well. That's we're manifesting it. (laughs) Um, no, that's, that's a really cool idea. I love the cards against humanity example too. Um, we had real quick, we had a, another guest come on paddle smash, um, combination of like, uh, round, round net and pickleball. And they had also brought up like cards against humanity, um, for being like pioneers in the game game space um so really interesting also to hear your take on like their approach being um pioneers in the black friday cyber monday space i think that's more fun too right like switch it up more entertaining for you all i'm sure too just like having to be creative with the approach so that's really cool i'm excited to see it this way yeah us too yeah this has been great though luke thank you so much for coming on representing board cow telling us more um we usually focus on retention and, um, sometimes dive a little bit deeper into it, which this episode we didn't do, um, straightforwardly, but educating the customer and everything that we talked about around, um, just really having your branding sticking out and your messaging all feeds into retention. So this has been wonderful. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for, for having me. And I, I had a great time. Uh, yeah. and I love what, I love what y'all do. So thank you. Great. We'll take yeah. that. <laughs> All right.